Good morning, family. It is good to be able to connect with you. Uh, hopefully you've, you've been welcomed at least once or twice. Uh, but if not, let me be the first to welcome you and say thank you for joining us, Grace Covenant Church Sterling. My name is Eddie. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, before we get into the Word, I, I wanted to reflect on, on some things that are, are really important. I think that we've, we've spent a, a long time thus far, five or six weeks now, and, and we've been affected by COVID-19 and, and uh, our government's response to that. And I think most of us had this, this upward trek where we were kind of like, the, the novelty of it was, was interesting, it, it allowed us some grace, and we thought, we can do this, we can do this. And then most of us have had this downward spiral where we realize, I am tired of being in this house, I'm tired of not going to the store when I want to go to the store to do what I want to do, I'm tired of, of having to like stay six feet away and not see my friends and, and we're kind of coming back to a, a place where we're, we're still having to deal with the challenges. And, and in this moment, I just want to encourage you to stay connected. In one sense, it's never been easier for you to be connected. And it, it's hard because we are not physically able to meet with one another, but it's easy because you don't have to leave your house. And, and so I want to encourage you, stay connected. In fact, right now, if you've got your phone out, text someone you love that you love them, that you're thinking about them, stay connected. Now, secondly, stay connected in small groups. If you are in a small group, my hope is that you are continuing to pursue relationship in small groups, that you're attending, that you're uh, connecting through Zoom or Google Meet or, you know, Face Smash, whatever it's called, who cares, just get connected. Um, but, but in addition to that, reach out to the people in your small group. You know, you can have a one-on-one a Zoom coffee date thing. If you're a guy, you probably don't want to have a coffee date. You can just have a manly meeting of men, um, but, but stay connected. It's really, really important. If you aren't in a small group, uh, there's no shame in that, but you can get connected in a small group super easy. Again, you don't have to leave your house. You don't even have to get up. You can email uh, sterling at gracecove.org, or you can just go to the website, gracecove.org, and go to our small groups link, and then you can email someone and get connected, and literally, you will have moved zero feet. So in one sense, it is really easy for you to do this, and I, would just, I just want to encourage you to do so. Um, we're going to be, as, as we transition into the Word, we're going to be looking at Genesis. Um, uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2. And, and as we're doing that, I want us to think about um, our focus. I want us to think about our focus um, you know, we, we're in a weird time because in one sense it's really easy to focus because there's not very many things going on. And in another sense, it's very difficult to focus because we are at home and you are at home. And if you've got kids, you're at home with kids and you've, you're having your teleconference meetings and kids are coming in or out. Uh, you're dealing with school, trying to figure out how to get your, your kids into their Google Classroom so that they can connect with their Google Meet and then do their uh, Raz Kids, ABC, 123, uh, Bumper Car, YouTube work. And, and it's, it's difficult, and there's a lot of stuff going on. But in another sense, like I said, we are, we're able to focus because a lot of things have been pulled out of our lives. We're not watching sports right now. We're not... We're not going to the mall right now. We're not traveling unnecessarily. And, and so part of the angst of the moment is that we are left with our own thoughts. We're left with our own 
considerations and desires. And this is a moment where we're asking ourselves, why am I even, what's going on in my life? What, why am I here? And so today I wanted to look at your and my original placement, our original provision, and our original purpose in life. You see, God created us with an original placement. He created us with an original provision that he gave and an original placement. And we were made to be stewards of these things. In other words, we were made to take what God had given us, what he had entrusted to us, not to, to hoard it as our own, but to do and, and use these things for his glory and our joy. We're going to look at his original design, and we're going to look at how Adam was placed, provisioned, and purposed. If you will look, at me, look with me uh, at, at Genesis chapter 2, we're going to read verses 7 through 9, and then read verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, and then verse 15. Then the Lord formed the man from dust, or man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that, that you had an original plan and purpose for our lives, that we don't, we don't exist devoid of meaning. We don't exist devoid of purpose, but God, you were very intentional in what you were trying to accomplish through Adam, through Christ, and through us. God, I thank you that, that you have placed us uh, originally in Adam and, and now through Christ, that you have provisioned us originally through Adam and now through Christ, and, and that you uh, give us purpose originally through Adam again and redefined and repurposed through Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be able to trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and through that, that we would be able to live and embrace the stewardship that you've given us of our placement, of the provision that you give, and the purpose that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. So in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, we get this re- reaccounting of, of creation. In, in chapter 1, we see kind of a broad strokes picture. He creates man and woman. But in chapter 2, we see a, a recapitulation of this and he slows down a little bit. And, and you see that in movies sometimes. You get this kind of montage thing happening, and then it, it, it slows down to focus in on a particular moment in time. And this moment in time is the creation and placement of Adam. And so it says in verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground uh, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Adam became alive because of the word of God. God created Adam. You see, you and I, we are not self-created individuals. We are not independent individuals. We began, and we, we were always intended to be dependent upon God. Not only were we, were we intended to be dependent upon him in, in creation, but also in our placement. If you keep reading in verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So God had prepared this garden, and he had, he had made this place, 
And, and, it, and as, as we'll see in the following verses, it, it had all these beautiful trees that they were pleasant to look at and the food was good to eat. And he had prepared all of this for Adam. So Adam didn't create himself. He didn't place himself. He didn't determine his own place in the world. In our original design, in your original design, my original design, we are dependent beings. We were always intended to be dependent. And, and sometimes we, we buck against that. In fact, that's really the essence of sin is bucking against our dependency upon God. We want to say, God, I am independent. I don't need to do this. And in fact, the first sin we see with Adam and Eve, uh, they were seeking to be independent of God's will, his, his authority, and, and his, uh, his own autonomy. But we see that, that God put or placed Adam in the garden. The word there, put, you can translate it as placed. In fact, in your Bible, it might say placed. It's just a common word uh, that, that means put or placed. And I, the reason I'm saying that is because we're going to see later on that there's another word that's used that has some other significance. But he didn't just leave the, him there and say, okay, now, now go do your own thing. Fend for yourself. If we look at verse 9, it goes on and, and the writer says, and out of the garden, or sorry, out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up Every tree that is pleasant in the sight of uh, every tree that is pleasant to, to the sight and good for food. So God creates in the garden, as I said before, all of these trees. You know, you have apple trees and pear trees and, and peach trees and bacon trees and pie trees and, and every tree that is pleasing. You, you know, it's not in there, so I'm I'm, I'm speculating, but but. If it wasn't that, maybe it was like the, the jelly bellies that they, don't, they aren't actually bacon, but they taste like bacon. I don't know. I'm hoping. But nonetheless, he had created not only a place, but a provision for Adam. God provided food for Adam. And, and it's worth noting that God is going to provide a purpose for Adam, but his provision precedes his purpose. I'll say that again. Adam's provision precedes his purpose. In other words, Adam was not actually uh, uh, the ultimate creator, the ultimate decider of his own provision, the ultimate provider of his own provision. God was his ultimate provider. And the reason I say that is because sometimes you and I, especially in a moment like this where where the economy is kind of shaky and we're still trying to figure out how am I going to provide for these things, we can begin to act and, and, and wring our hands and, and concern ourselves and think to ourselves, mm, you know what, I am my ultimate provider. But no, God's provision precedes his purpose. And you and I, we were brought into this world and God has prepared a place for us. He's prepared a provision for us in the same way that he did for Adam. He prepared a provision. In Christ, we can trust in God and not our own ability to perform even for provision. So we see that he prepared a place, that he placed him. God placed Adam. We see that God provisioned Adam. And then in verse 15, we see that God purposes Adam, that God gives Adam a purpose, gives him a meaning, gives him direction for his life, a destiny, we could say. Look at verse 15 with me. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. I want to read it again. The Lord God took the man and put him, there's that word put again, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And I, I want to step back and just pause for a second and just say that work is God's plan. Work is God's purpose. Now, some of us are at home and we feel 
the restlessness of not being able to actually put our hands to work. Some of us, we're being overworked because we're essential and we feel the weight of the work that we do. But regardless of whether you're feeling like you're, you're not being fulfilled in your work or you, you're being overburdened in your work, God's plan was that we would labor and that that would be part of his original design. Sometimes uh, we think, and I remember when I was a youth pastor talking to, to teenagers and they're thinking, you know, I just want to get rich and not have to work. And, and, and that's the, a good thing. And no, the reality is work existed before the fall. God's plan for, for humanity to, to labor was part of the plan before the fall. Now, what happened in the fall is that our work became less fruitful and it became less productive and it became more difficult. But the fact of us doing things for the sake of God's glory and our joy, doing things, creating things, producing things, that was part of God's plan. He purposed him. Now, if we go back and we look at verse 15 and see that word, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. The first word that we saw in verse, uh, I think it's verse 8. Uh, the Lord, yes, verse 8. The Lord, Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man. Those two words, they, in, in the ESV, it's a little misleading because the first word and the second word in English are the same, but in the Hebrew, they are not the same words. The first word is just a general idea for put, place, uh, put something from here to here. It's just a general purpose word. But here, this word has some, in, in verse 15, has some specific connotations, right? We, we see that he's put him there, but, but the idea, part of the connotation is that, that we can put things in places for the sake of rest. And we see in other places in the Bible that God, the, the word was used for, for people who were being put somewhere to rest. So there's this idea that, that Adam was being put in Eden for the purpose of a kind of divine rest. And we see this idea of rest being reflected as a theme throughout Scripture. We see it, it, this re- idea of rest for the, Egypt, for the Israelites as they exit Egypt and they pursue the promised land where they would have their final rest. We see that Jesus comes and he says, you know, take my yoke, uh, yoke because it is easy and it is light and you can rest. And we see in Hebrews talking about how Jesus provides a final rest rest in Christ that we see even in the idea of Sunday. Sunday is the Sabbath. It's the day of what? Rest. So we see here that part of this, this nuance of, of, of God putting him in Eden is that his placement and his purpose is to rest in God. That doesn't mean that he's sleeping. It doesn't mean that he's necessarily always reclining, but it means that there's a certain reliance and a faithful trust in God, resting in God. But that word also has a connotation of, of priestly service. In other places in the Bible, we see that the word is used to describe uh, a faithfulness to, to religious ordinances or, or rituals that God places. So we see that, that being put up in a place or, or putting something in a place had to do with, with uh, putting things in the right uh, r- ritualistic religious uh, context. And so we, we also see this idea of being put somewhere for the purpose of, of dedication. And so not only was Adam put there for his own rest, but he was put there for his dedication to the Lord. Not, not because he was a, a dedicated individual, but because God was dedicating him as we dedicate our babies uh, to God. He was put there for the purpose of being dedicated to a priestly service. And really the whole idea of Eden it reflects this, this interaction with God where God's presence is there and, and Adam is serving him, as we see in, in some of the other words that we're going to talk about in a moment. God is, or 
Adam is serving God almost as a, as a priest would serve God in the temple. And we see in, in the New Testament that there's a promise of a final rest, a final uh, dedication toward the Lord. And, and this is what's being reflected in, in chapter 2. Not only do we see uh, this idea of the purpose being reflected in the word put, but also we see it in the two words at the end of the, the verse where he says, uh, he was put there to keep it and to work, sorry, to work it and then to keep it. The word work meant to cultivate. This was his job. His job was to be a gardener. He was going to care for this garden that God had created. And and what a neat privilege that would have been. I am not a good gardener. Uh, There have been many times where my children have brought home things from school because the school thought it was a good idea to give them something alive for us to then deal with. And I have faithfully killed every single one. And I'm sorry, Ethan Owen and Ada, because you may be watching this, and yes, it is my fault, almost always. But, but here, Adam is being given the privilege of caring for not, not Loudoun County Public Schools little uh, sapling, but, but these trees that he has placed. And it's almost a, a guaranteed win, because if God starts the garden, then hopefully, by the grace of God, Adam can continue the garden. He's there to cultivate the garden. But again, this word is used in other places to talk about the priestly connotation of service. And as we just talked about uh, with the word put, there's a sense in this discussion, in this, in this section, that, that Adam's role in creation is not just uh, a perfunctory laborer, but he is laboring before God. He is serving God. He's ministering toward or uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that's facing toward God. He has this priestly connotation of service. And finally, we see this word, to keep. He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And, and so the idea of keep, it, it, it really was to protect, to, to make sure it was safe, to keep it. But again, this also has this priestly connotation of observance of, of religious commands and duties. And so Adam was in the garden. He was put in the garden for the sake of his own rest and in order to be dedicated before the Lord. And he's been there and now he's working toward God and he is keeping God's commandments. He is keeping God's uh, ordinances toward him. Adam was placed in the garden, a place of rest and dedication to God to serve God in the cultivation and the, the protection of God's garden. And we see... In, in that description of being put in the garden, a place of rest and dedication to God, to serve God in the cultivation and protection of God's garden, that none of this is Adam's. This is all a stewardship that he had received from God. Adam was a minister to God. You and I, we were always intended by God to be living our lives toward God. To put it another way, you and I were always intended to be living our lives. I'll put it this way. A lot of times when, when my kids do things positively, maybe they're, they're cooking or they're, they're, they're drawing a picture, they will do so and they'll pause in a moment and they'll look at me and they'll look to see if I'm looking. Then they'll do some more work and they'll look at me and they'll look to see if I'm looking or they'll, they'll be cooking and, and they'll look at me and see, is he pleased with what I'm doing? That's the way you and I were intended to live. We were intended to live toward God, where we're, we're laboring in whatever field that we find ourselves, but we're laboring toward God and we're doing our work 
We're trying to obey God and then we're looking to him to say, is this pleasing to you, Father? We're doing our work and we're looking to him and saying, is this what you want me to do? We're doing our work and we're living toward God. This was the original plan. God had placed, he had provisioned, and he had purposed Adam. God's original design for us, it was his placement, it was his provision for us, and it was his purpose for our lives. Our obedient stewardship of this placement, provision, and purpose is what he's entrusted to us. Unfortunately, we, most of us know what comes after chapter 2 of Genesis, chapter 3. And in chapter 3, I'll, I'll briefly go through this because this is not the main thing that we're focused on, but in chapter 3, we see that, that God's his placement, his provision, and, and his purpose are challenged by, by the serpent when, when he calls into question, did God really say? Did God really say? And, and in a moment we see that Adam and Eve choose independence over dependence. They choose to obey and pursue their own will over against what God has told them to do. They eat from the, knowledge, uh, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, which had been forbidden by God to eat from, and they disobey God. And in disobeying, they were choosing to determine their own purpose. You know, your sin and my sin, it always involves shifting uh, our purpose, Shifting our purpose from, from honoring God and serving Him to honoring and serving something else. Whenever you choose to do something that's outside God's will, or whenever you choose not to do something that is in God's will, what you're saying is, you know what, your purpose for my life, God, I, I'm going to put that on pause and, and, and redefine my purpose. I'm going to live my life according to a different purpose than the one that you have given me. And that's sin. That's the essence of idolatry. It's worshiping and setting something else up over us that we become dependent toward whether it's our own self and it's this idea of autonomy or it's a relationship or it's a, it's a career or it's, it's, it's some sort of behavior or habit. Whenever we take something and say, you know what, I'm going to let this determine my, my purpose, what we're doing is we're saying, God, you weren't good enough to determine my purpose and we fall into idolatry. And because of this original sin, because of the, the sin that we commit as well, this original design is lost to us apart from the work of God. But the good news is that God is gracious and merciful. If you're in this, uh, if, you're, if you're viewing this message and you're thinking to yourself, I'm, I'm disconnected from my purpose, the rest of the Bible from Genesis 3 on is a story of God's recapturing our placement, our, our, our provisioning, and our purpose. And I'm going to go through it really quickly. Uh, Eden was supposed to be a place of rest and dedication to God, where humanity served God, where, where Adam and Eve served God, where they ministered toward God as they labored in the garden. Now, we, we lost that, and we see that we lose that because Adam and Eve, actually, in chapter 3, verse 23, they're taken out of the garden. They lose their placement. Because of their sin, their purpose was fr- frustrated. It, it goes on to say, when, when God pronounces curses because of their sin, God says in verses 17 following, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, shall, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Right? He was supposed to work and labor and it was supposed to be fruitful labor, but now the ground is cursed and his purpose has been frustrated. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistle it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your, bre- of your face you shall eat the bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. So not only was his placement uh, lost, his purpose 
to some degree was lost. But again, God is merciful. And we see that the rest of Scripture is God's pursuit of, of us, his pursuit of his people, and his, his desire to reestablish his, his placement, his provision, and his purpose in the lives of his people. Now, we could go through and talk about that, but really that, that is the story of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so I'm just going to look at how Christ fulfills all of this. Eden was supposed to be, as I said, a place of rest and dedication. And Christ came to restore rest. It says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, that, that Jesus says to the crowds, um, come to me, you who are weary. I'm, I'm going to turn there right now. 11.28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Jesus came to restore rest. He also came to establish a people that were dedicated to him. In First Peter, it mentions something where, where we are being created and, and set up as a, a holy priesthood. I'll read it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And he says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for what? His own possession, a people who are dedicated to the Lord. And we see not only that, not only is he pursuing our rest and our our, our rededication, but he is, when Jesus dies on the cross, he begins the process of reversing the effects of this curse. If we we look in Galatians chapter 3, we see see Paul explicitly stating this. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 Uh, verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And what, what Paul is saying there is, Christ redeems us from the curse. He frees us from the curse. And what did the curse say? The curse said, your purpose is frustrated. Your purposes have been frustrated. So when Jesus comes, he says, I'm reversing that process. You are now able to live in dedication towards God. You are able now to live in the correct placement. You are able now to rest in me. There's a rest available to you that God intended in the original design that he recaptured in Christ and he offers to you and me by our faith in Jesus Christ. God has made you to be at rest with him and dedicated to him, serving and worshiping him. And in Christ, your purpose is redeemed and restored. God has a plan for all your needs. Maybe you're in a moment where you, you really feel the pinch of your needs. And, and, and you're wondering, God, where's my provision? In Christ, the promise of provision is redeemed and restored. Uh, Pastor Jermaine quoted it, but Matthew 6 Jesus says to, to those around, don't worry whether you eat or drink or what you wear, but, but seek the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. Jesus was, was promising as you live a dedicated life towards God, God will ensure that your provision comes. Right? Again, what we said in, of, was true of Adam that, that his provision didn't come as a result of his purpose, but it came and it preceded his purpose. Our provision does not come as a result of our purpose, even though it feels like on a Friday when you did all your work, when you worked 40 hours, two weeks, and you get that check, you, you, you have this equation that says, my work over time equals my provision. The reality is the gospel says, God's plan, his provision equals my provision. And if you've ever been in a pinch, you know that because there are moments where you don't work the 40 hours, where you don't work the 80 hours, and miraculously, you get provision. 
If you're in a moment where you need provision, my encouragement is not to just pursue the need, but pursue the God who fulfills the need. God has a plan to provide for your needs. Maybe not your wants, maybe not the Tesla, maybe not, maybe not eating out, maybe it's rice and beans, but God has a plan to provide for you. And God has created you for purpose. Your ultimate purpose is to serve and honor him. And in Christ, that purpose is redeemed. You and I, outside of Christ, the Bible calls us enemies of God. It calls us criminals, trespassers, transgressors. But in Christ, we are, we are taken, as the Bible says, as Paul says, we're taken from the kingdom of darkness and, and shifted in the kingdom of his beloved light. We're brought in and we are, we're naturalized citizens of God's kingdom. And he brings us in. And, and with that bringing in, we, we adopt a new and restored purpose of honoring and serving him. You and I, we were made to be stewards of God's grace. We were made to be stewards of God's purpose. We were made to be stewards and servants and priests toward God. So family, what is, what is determining your life's purpose today? What is determining your life's purpose? What is determining your provision today? When you think of your placement in the world, when you think of the, the, the rest that you pursue, when you think of uh, the, how, what your life is dedicated to, what comes to mind? Because family, God has intended to place you in a particular place, not just a location, but but. In, in a place of rest and a place of, of dedication toward him where you are working and laboring in a way that brings you, you joy and brings him glory. And he has pre- prepared a, a provision for you. He's prepared uh, resources for you to enable you to live a life that honors him. And he's established a purpose for you to steward. He's got a job description for you. The specifics of that job description may differ from person to person, but the ultimate end, the ultimate objective, if we're looking at a resume, is to honor God and serve him. What are you stewarding in your life? What are you stewarding? This is, this is an amazing privilege that God gives us. And he spent the, 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 the greater part of scripture, the greater part of, of hundreds of years, thousands of years, to reestablish these things in our lives. And as we trust in Jesus, as we look to his life, Jesus' death and his resurrection on the cross on our behalf, not only do we get freedom from sin, not only do we get to go from being condemned to hell to pursuing and living and, and, and approaching heaven, but we get to live in our greatest purpose. That's what I want to invite you into today, is to live in your greatest purpose, placed by God provisioned by God so that you might fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful right now that you have such an all-encompassing plan for our life, that your original design for for my life and for the life of those who are watching was that we would be placed where you wanted us, serving you, being fulfilled by our service toward you, that we would be provisioned by you, that, that you would give us all the things that we need for for life and godliness and that you would you would give us a purpose that that satisfies our soul if you're in this moment and and you have never trusted in Jesus as your lord and savior this is this is your opportunity to to do that if you've pursued other purposes if you've tried to fill your life with other things if 
if you've tried to allow other things to to define who you are and what your life's purpose is, today is the day for you to change and to go and look to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for the sins of people like you and me in order that we might be reconnected with our original purpose, in order that we might be reconnected with our original provision, in order that we might be reconnected with our God who gives us rest and gives us a reason to be dedicated. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin, everything I know to be idolatry, everything I know to be a pursuit of something other than your will. And I turn to you and I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made, that he died on the cross for my sins in my place. He defeated Satan's sin and death. And I thank you for the new life that you give me in Christ, a life that is repurposed, that you redefine the purpose for, a life that is provisioned, that you provide the provision for, and a life that is that is replaced where you provide a place of rest and a place for me to be dedicated to you. Lord, I dedicate my life to you. Help me to walk out this purpose. Help me to steward this purpose well. Help me to hold this purpose well before you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was you, I'm excited because you can live a life of purpose that is fulfilling and it's awesome and sometimes it's challenging and tough, but it's always good. If, if you're here, let one of our hosts know. Reach out to one of our hosts. If you, if you don't want to have the, the, the publicity around that, that's fine. Email us at sterling at gracecove.org. But don't take this moment and, and not communicate with anyone. Because part of this vertical relationship is a horizontal relationship with God's people. The other people who celebrate God's purpose in their lives. Let us walk this out with you. Family, I love you. You are amazing. This is going to be a great day for you. And in line with this great day, we are continuing to do what we can to steward the purpose of God in our lives as we care for our community. We, we've been receiving a benevolence offering, and if you're not familiar with what that is, this is an offering where all the, all the monies go toward not the operation of our church. It's not a tithe. It's not an offering in that sense, but it goes toward everything that we're trying to do to support our community. We're supporting Mobile Hope, which is an organization in Loudoun that that delivers food, that collects food, that delivers other resources. We're collecting food on on Tuesdays and and Fridays, and there's some costs around that. We've purchased food, we've purchased uh, face masks, we've purchased Bibles. We're doing all of these things to bless the community. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. Not just because we need it, but because it gives you an opportunity to live out your purpose in a way that that benefits our whole community, believer or non-believer. And it gets to show the glory of God in our generosity. If if you'd like to give, you can do in in a number of different ways. You can give by check, by emailing, or not emailing, (laughs) by writing a check and mailing it to our office. And you can see the, the address on the slide. You can give on our website, click the give button or you can give through our mobile app. If uh, any of these ways will work, they're all really great, but I would encourage you, be generous toward this end. I know that I'm trying to do so. Uh, I'm encouraging everyone else to try and do so. There's something unique when we give sacrificially. There's a grace that's given to us. Let me pray and as we, as we receive this offering. God, I thank you for the privilege of living out the purpose that you've given to me 
And I'm thankful that part of that allows me to live sacrificially, to give out of my own provision or the provision that you've stewarded toward me to provide for others. God, I pray that you would provide powerfully to our community through Grace Covenant Church Sterling. God, I pray that you would bless those who give now, not just bless them with a sense of your presence and your blessing and your approval and and pleasure, Lord, because you are a gracious and sacrificially giving God yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, family, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. You are awesome.